Welcome to How We Create. I'm your host, Carissa Moreno. I grew up in a very artistic family, and I've realized that gave me a support system and the encouragement to approach challenges in life without overthinking and without worrying about the outcomes. I created this podcast to remind you that we as creatives share similar obstacles, fears, and triumphs when living our creative lives. I am here every other week telling you about my experiences as an artist and also having conversations with fine artists, musicians, performers, dancers, etc. And you will learn how they create, how they experiment, and how they turn challenges into opportunities for growth. I know that you are going to enjoy getting a peek inside their minds and creative lives. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. It does actually help and share it with a friend who you think might benefit from hearing these stories. My guest today is Sonia Sklaroff. Sonia is a professional artist living and working in New York City. She graduated from RISD with a BFA in painting and holds an MFA from Parsons School of Design. She has shown her work in galleries and museums around the world and is represented by international corporate and private collections. Her most recent limited edition artist book, Pandemic Paintings, has a heartfelt preface by Rachel Ray. And her newest book, A Love Letter to New York City, is available now. Welcome, Sonia. Thank you for taking the time to be here. Thank you for asking me to be here. This is season three. And what we're going to be talking about on season three is growth and all things associated with creative growth. And obviously that bleeds into our lives a bit. But I guess I wanted to start by asking you what your definition of success is as an artist. The definition of success changes over time. Previously, I think it could have been get the big show, the big gallery, the big museums, the big collectors, fame and fortune. That all sounds just fabulous. And even now, of course, many artists still want these things. But more than that, I look up to artists who are strong, independent, working artists who do things their own way. They have shows, they make books, they teach, they travel, they're highly skilled, intelligent, but they're constantly experimenting. So the life of an artist is weird, and it's really not for everyone. And success comes in in many forms. For me, I feel most successful when I'm in my studio, working on a project that gives me purpose, and I'm able to concentrate on expressing my true artistic voice. I think it's interesting that you said the life of an artist is not for everyone. And I I do think it's important that we recognize success is different for different people, obviously, and and that we should really acknowledge and celebrate those different ideas of success. I'm curious to know what, what do you think the characteristics are of living a life as an artist and living a life as a successful artist, which may not mean, you know, the, the fame and the big gallery and museum shows. For me, The most important thing is to be disciplined and self-motivated. I don't have a boss. I don't have someone telling me what to do. I'm the boss. So I set my own schedule. I make my own rules. I set my own goals. If an artist isn't disciplined, nothing gets done. Also, I think that an artist must be strong. Being an artist is hard because there are rejections and there are people constantly trying to take advantage of them. An artist must be able to say no to opportunities that may hurt their reputation and be able to withstand rejection and other people judging them. Definitely. Would you tell us a little bit about any moments of rejection for you that you had to overcome and how you dealt with those moments? 
There's been so many. I recently told somebody about a teaching opportunity that was presented to me. I had to apply for it in graduate school. And um, I had to write an essay and uh, submit my CV. And I thought I was a shoe in because I thought that I was going to be a wonderful professor someday. And I was rejected. I was rejected from that that program. And I decided that I was going to teach anyway. So instead of being a teaching assistant in graduate school, I went around to another department and I decided to volunteer and teach a class for free. And I got in the system at Parsons, in fact, and um, I taught this wonderful uh, sketchbook class and it turned into a regular gig and I'm still teaching at Parsons today. So that rejection didn't get in the way of what I really wanted. I mean, you created your own opportunity. Yeah, I think that for artists, they have to think creatively and a rejection could be an opportunity to look for other moments to strive to change and to gain success. So would you say that maybe adaptability is also a key skill or trait for an artist? Oh, yes, definitely. I think that an artist has to be flexible and she always has to be able to adapt to new situations. The art world is constantly changing. And unless the artist changes with that, then um, she might be left behind. What along those lines with the art world changing, where do you feel was your biggest moment of growth in your career so far? I think there were a couple of different times in my career that were big moments of change. A couple of years ago, I actually, I had creative block for the first time. I got to my studio after a big show and I, I couldn't work. And it was many months before I could create again. And what I did was I visited other artists' studios. I talked to older artists about their process. I visited museums and galleries. I read um, about artist processes. And um, I also looked at my own work and thought about what I wanted to say with a new body of work. That time of not working and having that creative block was the impetus to start something new. The other moment or the other time that was a moment of growth for me was the pandemic. I decided early on I could either stay at home and eat cookies and cry with my family, or I could set up shop in my apartment and make masterpieces. I did eat a lot of cookies, but <laughs> I decided that I was going to use that time to experiment and change and look within and grow. And that was a really big changing moment for me. Was it helpful for you to be in in isolation to be able to experiment more? Or did you think about yourself in isolation? I, I know we've we have connections through social media and we had outlets to to reach out and see other people. But what was different about working from home during the pandemic versus working in your studio that gave you that space? There were distractions, but it was a different type of distraction. I was home all the time and I had my easel set up in the living room 
and I have a family, so I had to tend to them. But I had time to look at my my paintings on my easel in my living room and think about what I wanted to say. I had social media to look at what other artists were doing. And I, I reached out to a lot of other creative people during that time to see how they were handling things. Some people were handling things not well. <laughs> Some people just used that time to work. And that's what I decided to do. There was nothing else to do. <laughs> sit around and feel sorry for myself or just work. I've always worked through whatever issues I've had. Nothing came between me and my my painting and my work. I used this opportunity to work away and my work reached a new a new level because of the pandemic. It wasn't always joyful, but it was an exciting time to work through the process. Going back to when you had your creative block, I I love what you're saying about reaching out to other artists and reading about artist process and really using that time to grow as opposed to feeling bad about not producing. At what point did you feel like, okay, I'm ready to go back in? Or was it a a spark of something? Or what got you over that, that block of not working, not making? I don't think it was a specific moment. And I think it happened quite gradually. I worked with, I did some collaborations. I started doing some portraits of musicians and um, dancers. I ended up doing an album cover and a, a book cover. I did a lot of experimenting during that time. I, I ended up working with another artist and doing collaborations with him. And we did some experimentation. So it, was, it wasn't really a moment where I said, oh, yes, of course, now I have to start working again today. <laughs> But I think through experimentation, through talking to people, through seeing a lot of other work, talking to creative people, not just painters, but musicians and choreographers and dancers and chefs and typographers and designers hearing about their process, I think that was that motivated me to start working again. And I'm curious, what is experimentation look like to you? What does that that mean for you? Experimentation means a couple of different things for me or a lot of different things. It may mean the type of materials that I'm using. I actually started painting on canvas rather than panel, which gave the paint a new feel. I started using a lot more paint and building up layers. I added more colors to my palette those were just the physical ways of experimenting. And then, of course, there was also the imagery. I started to experiment with my imagination, my creativity, my dreams, my emotions, more than just painting what I was seeing in front of me. That's great. I love that. I wonder what type of support system you've had and how important a support system has been to your growth as an artist. Support system is just, it's just key to being a a well-rounded artist. I'm lucky enough to have a family that supports me in every way. I mean, growing up, my, my family was always encouraging and they never questioned my strange projects that I would do in the, in the kitchen and the living room and outside. And I was always making stuff and my family never questioned it. They always were encouraging. And um, now I surround myself with creative people who I can bounce ideas off of. In fact, I'm just about ready to send my book, my newest book to print. And my best friend is a writer 
and she edited my piece a little bit, my paragraph that I wrote. And one of the paintings in the book is of a, a guitarist who I'm friends with and we're very much in touch and I love to hear about his projects. I have architects that I talk to about their projects. I, I work with a lot of dancers. I love the theater and the uh, performing arts. So all these creative people in my support system are always cheering me on. We, we cheer each other on. It's vital to, um, to being a, a full artist. And I think it's so important to talk about getting out of your creative field. And on the podcast, that's one of the reasons why I interview musicians and dancers and writers and artists, because I feel like we're all, we're all in this together and that we really should be living our lives in a cross-disciplinary way. The creative process goes deep and it doesn't matter what discipline you do. It's universal. Would you want to share one of the weirdest projects you did as a child? I actually did a podcast yesterday. A pest control company interviewed me because they were fascinated with my bug paintings. Um, when I was a child, I was obsessed with bugs. I was crazy about bugs and bugs were my friends. I, I, I was quite shy and the, the bugs wouldn't judge me. <laughs> um, so I played with ants and worms and, and you know, things with wings. I would even, I remember going swimming in the swimming pool and I would spend a lot of time saving the bugs that were drowning in the swimming pool. And I actually, I probably still do a little bit of that today. Some of my weirdest projects were associated with bugs. I would make little clay houses for my bug friends and I would take the little clay houses to the park. And then I put little crumbs of food <laughs> in the bug houses and watch them bring the crumbs back to their holes. And my family, they just, it was just Sonia and her bugs. So maybe that was one of my otter projects. Yes. I think it's so great that you were on a pest controls podcast that is so yes awesome. the pest control the the, the pest control pro podcast was about my bug paintings i have a cicada painting i have like a beetle painting there's a new painting i just completed for my upcoming show it's a garden in a city in new york city but there there are bugs that appear in the garden so they were fascinated by my bug paintings and i i don't know what angle they're going to play because pest control you know i guess they kill the bugs i was going to say it's a little um, <laughs> And I'm pro bug. So I'm not really sure what angle, but it was a fun podcast to do. I, so I'll just have to share with you. My daughter is obsessed with bugs and will save bugs, but is also, she'll call herself shy, slow to warm. And when she went to a new school, she started a roly poly club and she would take dirt and roly polies and put them in a small pocket of her backpack. This was how she made friends. And she would come home and show me <laughs> her roly polies <laughs> in her backpack. Yeah, I, I tried to be very supportive. And that's great. That's great. I still love bugs. I do not love bugs in my house. I definitely am the kind of person who, if I find a bug in the apartment, I will take a cup and a piece of paper. I taught my my kids how to save a bug with the cup and the paper, and then you take it to the window and the door, you let it out. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lifelong thing. I actually, when I have to kill a bug, I 
apologize right before I Oh, yes. I say like a little prayer. I'm so sorry to do this, but you're just (laughs) like, you're just not, you're not, you weren't invited to my house, Mr. Cockroach. Yes. Yes. Hopefully they've all gone to a a better place. Is there anything you would like to change about your current creative practice? Or is there anything you would like to see changed in the field in general? The worry is constant because my schedule is so unpredictable. So right now I have my big show in April, a fabulous course that I'm going to be doing in Switzerland in May, and another summer show in August, and a big commission too in in the summer. Then I'm not sure. I know I'll be teaching this fall. The thing I'd like to change for myself is not to worry so much about the unknown. The art world is, it's a constant hustle. And it's exciting and frustrating and uncomfortable at times. What I'd like to change is the way I deal with all that to embrace the unknown and not worry so much about what lies ahead. I guess the other thing is I would like to do more collaborations. Besides the album cover and the book cover that I did, I've worked with musicians and dancers. I worked with that other artist and created painting together. I'd like to do more of that. I'd like to do more collaborations. They they help stimulate creativity and it helps artists think of new ways of creating. Yeah, I think that's great. I think that's something we should all strive to do. I think it really just opens up the whole process and it's fun. It is fun. I I love uh, inviting other people into my studio. I love to hear about their ideas. I love to have music in my studio. I had a music producer come and I did his portrait and got to hear about his projects. It was really fabulous. I hope to do more of is there is there anything you would want to change in the field in general or see changed? Yes. I, I haven't really thought about that so much. I think that the art world is changing a lot now, especially with the pandemic. A lot of smaller galleries closed, a lot of new smaller galleries are opening. I'm not really sure what the future holds. A gallery recently gave me an opportunity for representation and I turned them down because I feel that for me, it's important to represent myself right now. I think I'm my best advocate. And until galleries can offer me more than just taking a big chunk of my sales and giving me more opportunities... I think that now I'm going to probably do things myself. Being an artist isn't just hanging in the studio and making art. It's a lot of business stuff. It's pretty overwhelming, but it's challenging and it's exciting too. So with the art world, there are so many changes happening now. I'm not sure what I'd like to change because it's all happening so fast. Mm -hmm. I'll have to get back to you on that. And I'm curious, how did you learn all the business aspects of being an artist? Is that something you just picked up along the way? I went to RISD, Rhode Island School of Design for undergrad, and they taught us absolutely nothing about the business, zero. But what they did teach, which I am eternally grateful for, is they taught us about, I I don't even want to say thinking outside the box because there was no box, but they taught us to problem solve. They would give us projects like carve this rock or make a violin out of this piece of cardboard, 
or um, drop these eggs off a roof and have them not break. The problem solving was huge at RISD. And I think it is that way a lot in art school. So that when I graduated and I had to get a job and um, going to interviews, I would be asked, what qualifies you to be a uh, whatever job I was applying for, like administrative assistant to the executive, whatever. I would say, I can, I can paint a damn good painting. But they didn't want to hear that, of course. But because I was a problem solver and I went through four years of that, I was able to figure things out as I went. So now, even now, when I have some kind of challenge, I find it very exciting to be able to try to solve it because that's what art school did for us. They threw us into the deep end and we had to figure things out for ourselves I assume now that they have many business courses that you can take about finances and taxes and marketing and PR, but absolutely no classes like that when I was there. Yeah, I think just having been in the education system for so long with my jobs, that's such an undervalued, or at least in traditional education, they don't know how to teach that skill. I think it's so valuable and it's so key to progress and being successful. And I don't, again, don't mean just like financially successful, but like you're saying, like just figuring things out in your life. You can't do yeah, that. Yeah. I if remember you're... I was asked to give a lecture at a college, I don't know, a graduating senior college class. And I gave a lecture on my work. And afterwards, all of the questions that the graduating seniors had for me, this was an art class, was about the art world in New York. I had been in the art world in New York for a while, so I could answer their questions. I remember one of the students asked me, so how do you get an interview with a gallery with your portfolio? And I remember saying to him, what are you talking about? <laughs> Who is telling you this? Like interview? portfolio, gallery, what what are you talking about? And the professor was the one who was telling his students that you apply to a gallery for an interview with your portfolio. But unless you're really in this world, you don't know that that is not how it works. The courses, I guess this was a, I don't know, a practical business course for graduating seniors. Maybe they were giving them practical advice, but it wasn't real world advice. So I'm not even sure that these classes would be appropriate for people who were who are coming to New York or I don't know if they're going to LA or one of the other major cities to try to be a successful artist but I have found that the only way for me to pursue my career was to be in the middle of it and work day to day on the challenges that that I faced that seems like a nice place to wrap up. And do you have any other wisdom, any other real world advice <laughs> that you'd like to share? Oh, real world advice. Yes, I do have some real world advice for artists that I wish that I had done earlier in my career that I'm doing more now than ever. And that is you need to listen to the little voice inside of you that's saying it doesn't feel right, don't do it. And that goes for the type of work you're doing or a business opportunity, any aspect of your life, your creative life. There have been opportunities that came my way that I took 
when I shouldn't have because of that little voice inside of me that was saying, no, doesn't feel right. So now I'm listening to that voice and it feels right. Definitely. Definitely. I love that. Well, thank you so much. Do you want to tell people where they can find you? Okay. There's a lot going on. Let's see. So my website is soniasklaroff.com. And then I'm posting on Instagram a couple times a week at Sonia Sklaroff. And I'm getting ready for my big show, which is at the Algonquin on 44th Street in Manhattan. And that opens in April. And uh, it will be in conjunction with the Link NYC digital billboards that's going to be flashing many of my paintings on all 3,500 kiosks around the city for two weeks in April. And I'm going to have a a book. Uh, The book is going to be called A Love Letter to New York City. And I will be showcasing the book at the show. Those are my, my big ways that you can see my stuff. Great. And I'll put all that information in the show notes and you all should definitely check out Sonia's work. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Okay, New York City listeners and visitors, go find one of Sonia's electronic billboards. They're super cool. And if you hear this before Wednesday, check out her exhibit. Before I get started with today's boost for your creativity, I wanted to tell you that I began a Patreon. The Patreon will help support this podcast and you will get lots of yummy things in your inbox, in your mailbox, and um, a phone call with me if you want. So go ahead and check it out. It's patreon.com slash Carissa Moreno, C-O-R-I-S-A-M-O-R-E-N-O. At the lowest tier called How, you will get these uh, takeaways typed up and emailed to you. So you'll get them in your inbox a little bit of inbox inspiration, something nice to read, something to make you smile, something to make you think. You could also print it out, forward it to a friend, and support the podcast. So I hope to see you there. And here we go with today's boost for your creativity. Number one, if you want to make your creative practice your business, ask yourself if you can be your own boss. Can you set up your own goals and consistently meet those goals? It's important to think about. Number two, how can you create community? We talk a lot about this on the podcast, and I think it's important, especially post-lockdown. Take the step to reach out to others, and they don't need to be in your field. Also think about who you are cheering for. Who can you support? Number three, what does experimenting look like to you? How can you add that to your process? Number four, listen to your inner voice. This is your instinct. You have it for a reason. Trust it. Number five, find balance in your life and your creative practice. And by that, I mean eat cookies, but then get your work done. Or eat cookies while you're doing your work. Or eat cookies as a reward for doing your work. I hear the ambulance or the fire engine, but I'm not re-recording this. I live in a city. This is, this is just it. This is what, this is what we do. As always, DM me on Instagram at the, how we create podcasts with any questions, comments, things you want to see in the show and yeah, check out my Patreon and yeah, there's another ambulance or fire engine driving by my apartment. Have a good one, everybody.